Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Mango Pod. I'm your host, Jan, and today we have quite the lineup for you guys as we got our very, very first guest on as we are bringing on Michael Lastman, who is the ex-manager for the Missouri State men's basketball team, as well as uh, we got our first edition of Bad Booze, so that'll be something to look forward to as well. We got also some interesting stories, um, Apple in regards to... Uh, getting fined by the country of France for slowing down older generations of iPhones for some reason. Uh, I'm not sure why. We'll dig into that here in a minute. As well as um, the merger between Sprint and T-Mobile, which just came about this past week. Um, is a $26 million merger. Um, we'll dig into that as well. In addition to Michael, we'll also have Jerem on a little bit later. He's got some other stuff going on right now. So we got to do a little workaround for Jerem, uh, of course. Thanks, Jerem. But don't worry, though, he'll be on live and well whenever we're doing this bad booze. Um, speaking of the bad booze, we'll go ahead and be reviewing Earthquake High Gravity Lager, 10% uh, alcohol by volume. It's in a 24 fluid ounce can. It's a tall boy, and um, I got it for like $1.30 um, at one of the local liquor stores. So uh, I don't know how this is going to taste. I've, I've tasted some pretty bad malt liquors in the past, so I kind of have an idea of what to expect, but... But then again, you can never really be too sure with something that's this gross and this cheap. So after the interview, when Jeremy finally gets back, we'll go ahead and get that on the road for you guys as well. But even before we get into all of that, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the Sprint and T-Mobile merger. Um, this was from NBC. I was reading this article and uh, was looking for something to exactly what to talk about even today. And I came across this masterpiece. So now quick disclaimer and correction. Earlier, about a minute ago or so, I said that was a $26 million merger. I am mistaken. It is a $26 billion merger from T-Mobile and Sprint. Um, it was essentially approved by a U.S. District Attorney on Tuesday, February 11th. And ever since that day, it's been making headlines. And so we're going to go ahead and take a look at this. Um, it appears to me that... Um, this is going to be an effort to expand the 5G network throughout the nation as we, it gets more and more frequent, especially in some areas, like especially where we're at right now where we don't even have any kind of access to 5G in Springfield, Missouri. I never get the 5G, but the second I enter St. Louis County, I always get 5G back. And so this is one of those things that technology just needs to speed up in general. But I don't believe that this is necessarily an argument for merging the two companies. I believe 5G is going to thrive no matter what time it comes about, and it's inevitable that 5G is going to be um, a prosperous network uh, speed throughout the next 10, 20 years. Who knows? Sidestepping from that point for a moment, though, we need to actually analyze how this is going to affect competition in the cell industry in general, because when you have these two uh, companies, uh, I believe Sprint is number three and uh, T-Mobile is number four. I could be mistaken. It could be switched back. Not 100% sure. Aside the point. There's, these two companies are coming together, and then it's just going to suck up all the other competition because they're just going to be a superpower. This is kind of like how it was with Miller Coors. You know, they're their own companies now, but when I was born, it wasn't that way. You know, Coors was in Colorado, and Miller was in Milwaukee, and we had Bud Light in St. Louis, but now it's not that same way. You know, it's Miller Coors, so this is another thing where it's just going to draw in more people to one large corporation, and I'm not a fan of it. You know, it's one of those things where I don't think it's really necessary if... 5G is going to be inevitable no matter what, and I don't understand what the benefit is. I get it's going to maybe come about faster, but maybe for their networks and not other networks. So I don't really see the point in this. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be people making a lot of money in this deal, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are invested in this. So I'm not going to step on too many toes or anything about that, but I just think it's kind of unnecessary. But, you know, who am I to judge other people? Definitely a story worth sharing, though, and I hope you guys look further into it if you're interested, but 
if you are not interested at all, then hopefully I didn't bore you out too much to try to just go over the basics and not overwhelm you with that, all the other nonsense, uh, since I know everybody's got their own niches and whatnot when it pertains to people looking at their own news and what they're interested in and so forth. All right, so we'll go ahead and get into our interview now. Um, I got Michael Lastman here with me. Mike, how you doing today? Doing good, man. I just want to say, you know, thanks for having me, and uh, I'm supporting you, and I just really can't wait for this podcast to take off, bro. Mike, that's really awesome, man. I'm, I really appreciate that. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I chose you to be one of the first guys on here. I knew I could trust you. I knew you were you're a great guy to have on. I know a lot of people know you and so forth. So I got to ask you, though. Um, first of all, how did you even get the job and exactly coming from like a high school standpoint, um, were you even considering it in high school or is it something you knew about or, uh, how did that even all come together? Yeah, that's actually a pretty, uh, interesting story. So, uh, coming out of high school, I had, uh, no idea about it, no intentions of really doing it. I mean, shit, I didn't even want to really run a Russia fraternity, but, um, I was at the rec one day and I literally was just reading stuff on the wall. There was a little piece of paper that said uh, basketball managers and like had all the job requirements and stuff. I was like, shit, I could do that. And uh, emailed the guy that said it. And uh, he was like, yeah, dude, just come over for an interview. So I went to JQH. They interviewed me and liked me. So, I mean, that's how I got it. It was, it was uh, pretty awesome. Good stuff, man. So it just sounds like you're doing your own thing pretty much and you just came across it. But Anyways, before we go any further, I want to get German on this. German just got to the studio. He's been out doing some stuff, so I want to flip it over to him and see if he's got anything for Mike. Yeah, a little busy today, back in the studio, happy to be here. I got Mike sitting across from me, you know. So I got to ask my first question here. When you go to a restaurant, do you tuck your napkin into the top of your shirt or do you lay it across your, like, pants? Like, what is your method of technique? Well, um, you know, it depends on kind of how I'm feeling, but uh, if I want to impress my date, I definitely always tuck it into my to my tie, you know, because I just feel like, you know, a girl likes a man with a with a clean shirt, you know, and cologne. Like, you have to put cologne on. You have to protect that. If you get pasta sauce on your cologne, you're gonna smell like pasta. Yeah, you don't want to get pasta on your cologne. That makes sense. Um, all right. Yeah, you got anything else for the tall guy? Yeah, I do actually. Um, aside from Italian cuisines and whatnot, um, Mike, what did you um, or what were some of your responsibilities with the team? Um, I know like a lot of the things were like just traveling with the team and getting to know team members and doing things to help benefit the team. But could you go like dig more deep into that and like you know describe it for the listeners? You know what it was like being being you. Yeah, it was uh, definitely one of the cooler things I've done in my life. Uh, so, uh, was, you know, three years ago, freshman year, there was three managers that were paid and they traveled with the team. So unfortunately, you know, coming in freshman year, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You're kind of treated like, you know, the little bitch that just does all the side work and stuff. But, you know, I uh, I put my time in and I did, you know, you do like laundry, you go to all the practices, all the games. And I mean... Really, the, the main thing that I was looking forward to the most was just getting to know the players and uh, getting some free gear. Perfect, dude. So rolling along right with that, um, especially with like being around the guys and like whatnot, how was it being around Alizé Johnson? Uh, and for those of you who might not be familiar with Alizé, uh, he played with us for a couple of years and he got drafted by the Indiana Pacers two years ago, but he's currently playing for one of their G League teams, or that is their G League team. Um, they're called the Mad Ants, but He's in their system, and he's someone that was well-known around campus and whatnot. So um, just go describe to us, like, how it was being around him and getting to know him. 
Hell yeah. So uh, going into it, I actually had no idea that Missouri State had a NBA caliber type prospect on our team. But uh, I met him and he was actually really cool. He's one of the most humble kids I've ever met in my life. You know, I couldn't imagine being the man on campus. You know, I mean, he could do anything, but he, he always stayed to his roots and he's from Pennsylvania and he's already given back to a ton. Like he's built courts and he does stuff every year. He's charitable, he's a hard worker, and he deserves everything that, that he's getting. And I'm just telling you guys, he is going off in the G League right now, and I think it's sick that he's not on an NBA roster, but it's whatever. Mike, switching off basketball a little bit, would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Very interesting question, Jeremy. Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. Uh, uh, but to answer your question, I would say one horse-sized duck because I just feel like an army of a hundred uh, duck-sized horses would just be too overwhelming for me to, you know, it's like, what am I supposed to do to stomp on them all one-on-one? Is that going to kill them? You know, like if that kills them, maybe, but I just don't have enough faith in my stomping ability. So I'll just take a one-on-one square up with a, with a horse-sized duck. I mean, you're you're a better man than me, cause honestly, I would take the hundred uh, duck-sized horses, cause I'm just gonna be kicking, punching, like I don't know. I'd be scared of the big duck. I'm not gonna do it. Not now. Peta might be coming after me now, cause I'm punching little horses. So I just have a little question for you guys. We all know that the title of this podcast is the Mango Pod. Um, first of all, is that about the jewel? And second. Is, am I allowed to be on it if I don't jewel? All right, Mike. So for those of you who aren't aware, um, it is somewhat tied to that sort of concept. Uh, me and Jeremy aren't really the biggest um, vapors on the block. I know there's a lot of people who are very addicted to those sort of products, and which is sort of the reason why we chose the title is because it's something that catches your eye and it's something that everybody knows and people are very, very attracted to. If you want to call it that, I mean, I'm sure there's other words you could use too, but for the most part, this is something that's just, it's just a creative name. And you know what, when you come up with a creative name, you just roll with it. And so I don't think there's much explanation really needed for it. Um, you can, however you want to interpret it. But anyways, uh, I just want to ask you one final question, Mike. And, um, you know, last podcast, we talked about how the current program is really struggling. You know, they're, they're really deep in the Missouri Valley and they were, you know, they're really not looking too hot at this point in the season. Um, what would you personally change about the current program, knowing what you know about the program as a whole? Yeah, so there's a completely different coaching staff there right now than when I first started a couple of years ago. But just overall, the most frustrating thing about Missouri State basketball and pretty much all of Missouri State sports is just the lack of overall sub mediocre seasons. And it's always coming from high expectations too this year we were expected to be the best team in mo valley number one preseason and i don't even know where we're at right now but we're sixth or seventh at best and it's just frustrating because you look at the roster and all the talent and then you just wonder what's going wrong well i mean paul lusk was the coach when i started and he was mediocre for seven years and they finally decided to part ways with him Dana Ford was this up-and-comer. Everyone thought he was going to lead us to the promised land and use us as a stepping stone to a, a better college, which is funny now when you look at it because 
he might be stuck here at Missouri State for a while, or we actually might have to move on from him because that's how disappointing he's been so far. But just the program as a whole, I don't know what they can do. Hopefully Dana just, just figures it out and can build a roster for next year, or we can do something in the tournament this year. You know, that's the best thing about being in a, a mid-major college is that it really doesn't matter what you do during the regular season because the only thing that matters to get into the tournament is, you know, the, the conference tournament at the end of the year, you know, arch madness. So we definitely have a chance to win that. So I wouldn't say the season's over, but it's just frustrating the lack of. So you're saying, like I said last episode, hire Rick Pitino because, I mean, sure he's banned from the NCAA right now, but... Guy knows how to coach a basketball team. Does he do the most morally right things? No. But, hey, I like winning. That's actually a really good idea, Jeremy. Uh, Maybe Missouri State should hire you for their next coaching process. But, anyways, um, Rick Pitino at Missouri State, I think that would be a great fit because, first of all, we definitely have top-of-the-line strip clubs in Springfield. All of our favorite is soft tails. And could you imagine Rick Pitino taking Missouri State recruits to soft hills. I mean, they would commit on the fucking spot. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I just, I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures and Missouri State, Cliff Smart, make the move. It's got to happen. Rick Patino to MSU. So it sounds like we got our own little movement going on here. I mean, to start our last episode to where we're going to get Rick Patino possibly as our basketball coach. Um, the live audience seems to really be liking that as well. So I think we're going to go ahead and reach out to Rick Pitino. Um, not sure if we're going to get a response or anything, but, you know, like I said, it never hurts to try. You know, just like with this podcast, you know, we're shooting for the stars. And if we can DM Rick Pitino and get him, you know, a possible slot at Missouri State, you know, I think we would look like the saviors of Springfield. And, you know, it's you think it's an over-exaggeration, but until it happens, then you'll have to find out. Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on today, but please get out. Um, we have other things to do, so you know, you're just kind of in the way. Thanks for coming out. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I've never done anything like this, but definitely had a great time and definitely going to continue to cheer for you guys and hope for the great success. And Jeremy, I would give you a couple inches if I could, but I know you don't need it where it really matters anyways. So. Man, got to love a guy that walks out of the studio roasting one of the hosts. That is awesome. All right, guys, uh, Michael Lastman, everybody. So due to further time constraints, we will actually be pushing our Bad Boo segment back to next week. I'm um, sorry if we hurt anybody's feelings, but we do have to get a few other things in before we end the episode, uh, including um, announcing the winner of our giveaway. Now, we had quite a few people put their names in for the $25 cold hard cash. I believe they're like seven, seven or eight maybe. And we used a randomizer uh, spin wheel kind of thing. So um, the winner of that was Zach Brown. So uh, Zach Brown, come by and get your prize anytime. Um, we got $25 here for you. Uh, congratulations on being the winner of our first giveaway. Now, before we let you go for the week, I just got to bring up this story. And this is the one where I was talking about where Apple was slowing down older generations of iPhones and was actually caught by the French government who's now actually sending them a bill for $27 million. Can you believe that? Well, believe it or not, I can, and here's why. Because Apple's a big corporation. They have millions and millions of iPhones throughout the entire globe, practically. And the people that have slower iPhones um, do get caught up in um, what's called the software trap. And 
that's how what's one of the things Apple does is to get you to essentially upgrade is they'll slow down your software based on, you know, its performance and what how old it is. And this is nothing necessarily new, I don't think, but um, it's making a lot of people aggravated, especially these people with super old iPhones over in France. And they got caught and now there's going to be some headlines over it and not sure what's going to happen here other than the fine. I don't know if um, France or any other countries will take any other measures, but we do know it is illegal in France to alter a product to make its lifespan shorter. And that is what it's against the law in France to do that. And so that's why they did actually end up going after Apple for this because it is against their law. Um, they've been, there've been other countries as well. I believe the U S was one of them that had uh, noticed this issue and they haven't really done a whole lot. Um, France is actually one of the only countries to really take a step towards and doing something against Apple for this. And, I don't really blame them because, you know, who wants a slow iPhone and especially in 2020 when everybody's, you know, 5G is starting to expand and whatnot. So I'm not really too concerned with this issue, um, but it's just definitely something to keep your eyes on, especially since it's everybody has an iPhone nowadays. And, you know, whatever happens to that happens to all of us. So we're all under the same umbrella here. So, yeah, I just thought I would touch base with that on that story since I brought it up and thought nah, we had a few extra minutes to run before we had to go. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys very much for tuning in and we'll hope to see you guys next week.